welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. He's Vic Mattis, my co-host of the Washington Free Beacon. And we are your morning show for any hour. We've got updates on Trump. We've got a lot of COVID ranting because it's time for an update. We got to do that every every once in a while. And uh, the Pride event at the White House gone wrong. We'll have a little update on that. But before that, let's find out what's going on with the crew. How are you, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I've got controversial news that I've been debating whether or not to discuss on air, and I think I will. Uh-oh. And then I also have potentially really big news, but it doesn't happen. It meaning an event does not happen until the end of July. Okay. And I'm contemplating whether or not to bring it up before the event or after. <laughs> this is such a tease. It is. It's big for me in a very... Exciting and also terrifying way. Okay. Uh, but also a uh, good way to promote the show. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> what could it be? You won't believe it. You won't Guys, believe it. I don't even know what he's she talking doesn't know. about. She doesn't know. I'm in the dark. Okay. So the controversial thing, uh, and Jennifer, I'll just uh, signal you when uh, I've decided to cut it so that the opening will be, hello, Mary Catherine. How are you? <laughs> okay. Um, so my mother-in-law and I have had this back and forth, back and forth. Since our trip to England. Okay. okay. We went to this tiny little village in the Cotswolds. It's absolutely beautiful, you know, romantic along the river. It's a tiny village called Burton on the Water. She insisted, because she had been there in the late 90s, it's my first time in England, that it was called Burton on Water, just like Stratford on Avon. Right. Except for water is not the name of the river, right? It's, I think, Windrush. So I said, oh, okay, great. I can't, excuse me. I didn't realize it was Burton on Water. So I started talking to some of our English friends, Dominic Green and whoever else, about Burton on Water. And they would always reply, oh, you're going to love Burton on the Water. Okay. And so I said, oh, I thought it was Burton on Water. So I start looking up on, on the internet. I could find no place where it says Burton on Water. Every single reference is Burton on the Water. Okay. So I said, hmm, interesting. I, and articles are important to you. Articles are important to me. You know, no, right. uh, being factually correct. <laughs> so we go there and there's a big sign and it says, welcome to Burton on the water and the whole deal. And I talked to uh, a cabbie from Chippenham and he was like, we, we've always called it Burton on the water, you know? And right. so I said, okay, good, good. So I get in the conversation. <laughs> several sources. You've got several, several sources. Multiple, as I do. And I say to her later, well, here's what's interesting. We're here and it's apparently Burton on the water, like the sign. And she replies, well, that sign is obviously new because it wasn't there when we were there and it was Burton on water. I spoke to Bob and he told me he remembers it. It was Burton on water. I said, okay, well, I spoke to some people. She goes, well, I don't know about those people. Maybe they're not from there. You never know, as opposed to being from, you know, here because <laughs> they would know. And then I said, well, I got this travel book and it's, it's here it is, Burton right, on the water. Right. She goes, well, what's the copyright? Oh, no, that's, that's a recent book. So it's been going on. I finally did it. <laughs> I purchased a book online and it finally arrived mm-hmm. from Stowe on the Wald, from Warwickshire, actually, excuse me, an old bookstore, okay. O-L-D-E, History of Burton on the Water, <laughs> printed in 1916. Okay. <laughs> it is yellow and tattered. The forward is a great forward. It says, this book was published, was delayed due to the war in capital W, <laughs> right? That's how old it is. Because that was the, that was the that big was one. So I'm bringing this with me when we go up to Connecticut next month. There you go. And he's going to say, well, I spoke to all our friends and they all remember it was definitely Burton on Water. And I'm going to say, you know what, Mom? It's so funny. You should mention that. Here it is. 
I've gotten you a very thoughtful gift. I did, because it's my father-in-law's birthday. And he's having a birthday party. I go, here's your gift. And it's just an old book. Oh, what's this? Kate says to me, drop it. It's not worth it. You're never going to win. So my question to you, Mary Catherine, is should I drop it? And to our listeners, AITA. <laughs> okay. Um, how long are you going to be in the residence of your, of your uh, in-laws? Oh, when you four get the... days. Okay, I would I would suggest you do the gifting at the very, at end? The very end of the trip if you're going to do that. That's what not I would like say. To, not like to set the tone when we arrive. No, I don't. Okay. I don't think that's a good idea. You're you're an affable man, Vic, <laughs> but I feel like this one could go Push sideways the on you. Okay, right. Like, but I also understand. And the the uh, impulse to be like, but, but, but I'm right. The sign yeah. and the books and the history says that I am correct. I understand that. Turns out they visited 1915 and they added the the a year later, uh, day, a year later. So that's my situation. Uh, en- enough about me. Mary Catherine, <laughs> that was five minutes worth. How are you? How is the congressional? I'm is good. It baseball, yes. softball, uh, baseball. It's baseball. It's baseball. It's legit baseball. Like, they Throw yes. it mm-hmm. over. Yeah. Yeah. So I, okay. I went to the congressional baseball game last night, uh, which is where the Democrats and the Republicans, actual elected officials play against each other in a game of real hardball baseball uh, on the diamond in on the actual Major League Baseball field, which has got to be one of the better perks of being in Congress. Right. If you can get Definitely. on that team just to run the bases one time out there. Yeah. Or get a hit. I mean, so yeah. fun. And of course, you can get a hit because it turns out the defense is not that good. Um, he's got, well, at one point, there was one guy running for a foul. And I was like, lay it out. Lay out for it. Sacrifice your body. But if you're in Congress, like you're really sacrificing your body at yeah. that point. You're oh, like, yeah. you ain't coming back from that. Yeah, depending too on your age. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I will say there was what left field for the Democrats. And I don't know who it was. Quite an athlete. He was an, he was a middle-aged to older man. Mm-hmm. But he made some very impressive catches. Surprisingly unembarrassing baseball played last night. <laughs> I really thought I was not going to be in for a treat for the eyes. But they were sort of nicely matched. There were a couple good plays. People were getting hits. Uh, a, like an office baseball game or softball game where everybody has to take a turn. No. No. Because no, they have hundreds stacked. of members. So you, yeah. every, you've got to find the best baseball players in your party. Yes, I believe it is stacked with okay. as, as many people uh-huh. who actually have uh-huh. a lot of reps uh-huh. on a baseball field. Yeah. Even if those reps happened in 1922 or 1916 sure. upon sure. the publishing of yeah. the water, on the water book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Burton on the water. Yes, thank <laughs> So the baseball was kind of fun to watch. Republicans won 16 to 6. Wow. Yeah. They clobbered them. Um, I, but, and it must have been frustrating for Democrats. Democrat fans, much better fans than the Republican fans. Republican awesome. fans, very united oh. in the way they were cheering. They had, it seemed more organized. Perhaps that's because they chant at protests more often than we do. I don't know if they just have more practice with that. The Republicans were crushing them. And that side was like, golf clap. You really? Know? <laughs> I mean, occasionally they'd break out in a in a chant of USA. And, you know, Republicans can do that. They, so they that, that worked that. out pretty well. Uh, the weather was absolutely perfect. Who gave the open? Were you there for opening pitch? Because, I was not. Mm. I was not. Um, but, you know, who was pitching for Republicans was Stuby, the oh, congressman yes. who just recently fell off his roof. Oh my do you gosh. remember? I forgot about that. He got that. injured falling off his roof and he has... Apparently completely recovered because yeah, he clearly. pitched well and hit well. He had a triple at one point. Wow. Um, yeah. 
So it was quite fun to watch. And my daughter had said before I left the house, she was like, am I to assume that this will be a low scoring game because they are not good at baseball? And I was like, I think that's a safe (laughs) assumption. However, there's a lot of action out there. It was fun. They're like running the bases. I mean, 16 to six. That's a lot of runs. By the way, yesterday was also the, uh, the anniversary of the congressional baseball field shooting. Um, You won't hear about that in the media because they don't care. Uh, that someone tried to mass murder Republicans. Uh, Somebody who was a, a uh, B- Bernie Sanders supporter. Yeah, this yeah, is a little yeah, sticking one. point yeah. for me that's always annoyed me. I don't think there was one they, mention of that. They really moved on from that story in about two days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you don't hear much on the anniversary either, but it was the anniversary of that. And it was nice to see everybody, miraculously, including Steve Scalise, yes. uh, hitting out there and alive. So, oh, by the way, one more thing. There was a, the catcher was moving pretty good. I was like, what's the, what's the catcher's mm-hmm. deal? He looks like he's... He's been athletic, right? Mm-hmm. It was Morgan Luttrell. He was a Navy SEAL. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, but you know, I mean, certainly on the Republican side, they used to have actual like, former baseball players. Well, I was right? informed last night while at the game that one Ron DeSantis oh, sure. in the house played catcher. <laughs> oh, he must have been good. For the Republicans because yeah. he was the Yale starting right. catcher when That's he right. was there. That's right. And on the Senate side from Kentucky many years ago now, obviously, uh, Jim Bunning, mm-hmm. remember? And he was a baseball star and he was playing for, you know, so that's. They had that going for them, although even even in his older age at the time, uh, as you said, they're still good. They still got it. Yes, you know? they do. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to say, the base running, not super fast, but. <laughs> I think nobody's in a rush. <laughs> one, or, one or two times I was like, oh, that looked like a real run. Oh, and the yeah. guy in the left field who did catch oh, one yeah, you really, out. really nice ball. Was. No, I, I will find out who it was. We'll, uh-huh. We will update you on this because I want to commend him. But he he hit the wall grabbing a, a one that went foul uh, yeah. over in left yeah. field. And I thought, ooh. Um, you're going to feel that more tomorrow than the average pro baseball player would. And it did, you know, I think of those walls as being a little padded. It didn't seem that padded no, when he I, hit it. I, I, my, my great fear when that happens in these situations, it turns into like Bump Bailey in The Natural. Remember where <laughs> yes. he crashes through the wall and then <laughs> yes. that was it for Bump Bailey. All right, on to Trump. The 2024 field is doing normal things, except for Trump, who is, uh, you know, under indictment and now has been arraigned Yes, in Miami. Yes. What is his status right now? He did, they so he's free. Bring, yeah, he's not, they don't, not, they don't lock him up. No, 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 no. They no. don't lock him up, so, so to say. They're, they're not worried. As the, as the chant goes. Yes. Funny enough, he is not, uh, they don't worry that he's going to flee to a non-extraditable country. Okay. He's staying here and he pled not guilty to all the charges so really, the stakes could not get any higher because he's pleading not guilty while not really having found full representation yet mm-hmm. since his lawyers have left. Well, because I mean, it's has... difficult to be his lawyer. Yes. Yeah. Because he might ask you to do things. In addition, uh, he doesn't have a great track of record of paying on time. He also does not listen to you if you There's say, that. be quiet. Yes. So <laughs> He's given full speeches. First, I want to go back to the last episode where I mentioned my illegal advice. If I were counsel and I would say, well, you know, these documents like these war plans or whatever, we've got to give it back. Why don't you just make a copy? Now, I have a theory why they didn't do that. Because if they're going to do something wrong, then you're going to do something wrong. Why not make a copy? And the reason is, I bet you nobody there knows how to make a photocopy anymore. (laughs) That's my theory. Like, like, even that, if they that saw. Was the, that was the Achilles heel. Yes. No. And who has a copy machine anymore? Where's a copy machine? You don't see that don't you anymore. Think, don't you think that Trump has one, though? 
He's famously yeah. non, non, yeah, like, non techie. Right, right next to the uh, fax machine. Yeah, he totally does. I uh, yeah, the fax machine that had the roll paper, you know, yes. and so when it, it would cut off and then form into little scrolls. It's right next to his Rolodex. No, the <laughs> Rolodex, exactly. <laughs> no, we had a. I remember my parents had a giant photocopy machine in their basement because my dad it was a doctor's office. It was a Xerox machine where the top actually moved left to right. Ooh. And it was about the size of like a Chevy Spark, you know, <laughs> a Mitsubishi Mirage. It was like, oh, okay, a whole room for it. Okay, so that's the first thing. Silly, I understand. But the second thing is I mentioned the Presidential Records Act. And I said, hey, when it's their turn to present their side, they're probably going to say, you know, president has, you know, a lot of uh, broad, a lot of leeway when it comes to what he can retain or not. I think the only snag to that is... And people like Andrew McCarthy and Ed Whelan know a lot more about this, obviously, than I do. There is a difference between personal records and agency records. Right. And what he's in charge with retaining are agency records. So you just can't have DOD documents. Right. Uh, and the other thing is when the uh, archive says, okay, you are in wrongful possession of it, give it back. It's when he did not give it back. That's when he became in legal peril. Like they yes. could have let they you know if he got it if he gave it to them at that time after making copies, then they would be fine. But of course he didn't. He kept it, and this is the mess that we are in. Well, and the indictment at least sight. suggests that that's the case, as he is not. There are no counts for anything yeah. he returned, and he returned the bulk. Yeah, that's right. He returned the bulk. There's I was like I I want to say like in the high one like 190 something that he returned yeah. and 102 or so that he, he retained right there are no charges for the ones he returned exactly even when they kept asking exactly. you and he was maybe on the third try right so it suggests that that could have gotten right. him out of that situation he of course because he's trump and as i uh, my phrase from many years ago on cnn uh that has applied throughout trump's time in the political limelight is uh he cannot keep a lid on his id Right. So yeah. he's just going to keep talking. He went from the Miami courthouse to a uh, coffee rest. shop coffee. <laughs> yeah. in Miami to talk about it. And then he went up, he flew up to Bedminster. He's going there for the summer. And he had a speech about it there. It's so we'll lovely. hear a little bit yeah. from the speech. Thank you, everybody. Really nice. Thank you. Are we getting, are we getting, I think it's going great. I think it's a rigged deal here. We have a rigged country. We have a country that's corrupt. We have a country that's got no borders. We have a country that's got nothing but problems. We're a nation in decline. And then they do this stuff. And you see where the people are. We love the people. And you see where they are. You see the crowds and everything else. We have a country that is in decline like never before. And we can't let it happen. I'm going to make a little uh, speech tonight in Bedminster. And uh, I hope you're going to be there. Can you start to watch? <laughs> you can come too if you want. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Oh, I love that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. So, I think that the only way out for Trump at this point would be if he's going to plead not guilty to all these charges is to hope that whoever his lawyers will be will dig into the raid at Mar-a-Lago and find that it wasn't done by the book. Mm. And if something's not done by the book, you could try to rule evidence inadmissible. And that's the only thing. If the evidence sticks, I think he's in a lot of trouble. But if, but if it's something, if, if it's, there's somehow ruled, ruled inadmissible that it was not done properly, right. 
maybe, but that's taking a big chance. Well, and as uh, Jonathan Turley, the law professor, pointed out, he has to run the table. Yeah. This is a lot of counts, right? And I'm open to the idea that a good defense, which is sort of questionable whether he will retain such a defense or mount such a defense, could dislodge a couple jurors on a couple of these counts, but on every single one of them? Right. I don't know. That's a tall order. And then you have the problem of if the defense, as it has been since this started, is that he can sort of declassify what he wants, there's also an audio tape of him saying, I right. could have disclassified this, and I did not. So we've got photos, we've got audio, we have texts. So that sort of makes the argument against him. Now, again, skepticism for the G- DOJ, very warranted. So I will, I will wait to see what defense they do mount. How fast do you think this is going to happen, by the way? They're going to stretch this out throughout the entire 2024 right. campaign. So he may have to appear in court or somewhere else while the South Carolina primary is going on. Gosh. We don't know. The other thing is, and we talked about this on the show, we acknowledge that it's not fair. But I think the way we see it, or certainly the way I see it is, it's not fair meaning that he should not have been charged, but rather that Biden and Hillary, particularly Hillary, should have been charged. And I think. That's the tone of the conversation now, even among Republicans, because, I mean, we talk about Andrew McCarthy and we talk about some others who generally would come to the side of Trump who are now very concerned. I'll tell you the other interesting thing. You mentioned Steve Scalise. So I saw him interviewed yesterday morning uh, before the game uh, on the field, and he was asked the same question about how do you feel about the indictment? And rather than say these indictments are a nothing burger or they're bogus, they're made up, they're ginned up, the whole thing, he says... It's just not fair what's being done to him versus what Hillary got away with or what's going on with Joe Biden and what's not going on with Joe Biden, depending on if evidence actually materializes with this uh, Chuck Grassley. uh, And and who knows whether it will, because, again, we we do have an issue with the uh, the amount of energy, investigative energy by both media and law enforcement put into these kinds of things. I think they only have enough energy for one side. That's really what it feels like. But Scalise was like, you know, that justice needs to be applied evenly. That was it. And that, to me, was an interesting sort of, it's a very subtle pivot. No, you're right. But I think. Okay. All right. Well, we'll continue to talk about it from now until oh, the end of time. And one question for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, we talk about this now. CNN chose not to cover the Trump speech yes. after because he said be full of lies. Yes. And Jake Tapper said he's just enough of that. We don't, we don't want to show it. So is it like anytime he speaks now, they're not going to show what, like, what about at a debate? Well, here's Are the thing. Are they going to show like Joe Biden and then cut to commercial? <laughs> here's the thing. I do think. More speech is better. Just counter his yeah. speech by fact-checking him. They are perfectly right. capable of doing That's what that. They live for. They got a, they got whole le- they got legions of people employed for that. Yeah. So I think that's a mistake. But I think they're worried about the reputation from before of just carrying him mm-hmm. live. And I understand their concerns about that too. I believe Rachel Maddow said something similar. And for all of these networks that covered RussiaGate incessantly. Oh. Again, there's no accountability for the lies that they have purveyed. No. Right? That doesn't matter. No, because they're, we will deci- they will decide what is factual or not. If it turns out something they said wasn't 100% factual, well. Yeah, we just move on with our lives. <laughs> it's the same thing with uh, people are saying there are distinctions between the Hillary Clinton email case and the Trump case. Fine, make that case. What I don't need is Andrew McCabe on CNN making that case for me. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew McCabe. Okay. Okay. So, uh, a little... 
little event at the White House went sideways this week. Oh, yeah. There was a Pride event on the South Lawn of the White House. Now, the, mm-hmm. the first hubbub about this event was that the Pride flag was in the center of the sort of colonnade area, which I I don't think is like a huge problem for me, but I don't think I've ever seen a diff- another flag there, like a POW flag or it's just, just usually just the American United States flag. of America flag. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so this does seem different to me. Uh, then there's this video going around of a trans activist who just gets topless on the lawn. I'm going to play some of the, the, you won't, you won't hear those tig old bitties, but, uh, <laughs> they're in there. It's an audio medium. Welcome to the White House. Thank you. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Year! Happy Pride Life! Yeah! Transgender children. You are beautiful. You are heard. You belong. You are understood. You are loved. And you belong. Yeah. Some of the bravest and most inspiring people I've ever known. And I mean, you're welcome. Good folks. A little selfie with Jill. Take a little video. Hi, Mr. President. Selfie with Press. It is an honor and for then human rights. Just some boobies out in the open. Are we topless at the White House? There's there's a slow-mo shot. Oh, really? Is of, what they're uh, doing? <laughs> of, of, as, I, as I said on Twitter, the tiggle biddies were bouncing and Republicans were pouncing. Because, of course, what? briefly the media story was. Oh, how dare you? Conservatives outraged that there was a topless activist yeah, on the South the Lawn at the family-friendly Pride event. Yes, yes, people are concerned about that. And that is okay. <laughs> they should just get over it and just say, yeah, we think it's great for kids to be exposed to this. Just admit it because it's there. We I, see this all the time on the videos. Kids, uh, yes, yes, you're clearly not shy. You think it's great. Just just be out with it. Let's just get cut to the chase. It reminded me of this, by the way, from Family Guy. Excuse me, ma'am. No porn at the bar. Oh, it's okay. I'm transgender. Oh, I, I had no idea. Do whatever you want all the time. Chris, that's going in the show. See that, Brian? Don't be afraid to pull our heartstrings. Peter, don't you think you might be putting too much time into office birthdays and not enough into your job? Come on, Lois. It's the one thing I look forward to at work. It's the one thing I'm good at. I am to birthdays what J.K. Rowling is to now problematic wizard stories. Perhaps Slytherin, or maybe Hufflepuff, uh, or trans women aren't really women. Wait, what? I mean, uh, the first two things... Okay, who's the next girl or boy? There's only those two. Wow. (laughs) The standard, right? But it turns out it's not the standard in this case, and I'm actually a little surprised. (laughs) The White House said a transgender model would be banned from future events due to photos and videos that show her topless on the South Lawn during LGBTQ Pride Month event, uh, Pride Month celebration on Saturday. Rose Montoya, an activist, was among hundreds invited by the Biden administration to mark Pride Month. So yeah, she'll be uh, banned from the White House. You know, when, uh, when I was a kid and we were, like, learning manners yep. and stuff at mm-hmm. the table, mm-hmm. my father's admonition was always, would you act that way at the White House? And now I have a real good Oh, wow. You can go pretty crazy It now. turns out you can go a little insane no. at the White House. You can't. You're going to get banned. I, I actually mildly surprised that they reacted uh, swiftly and with actual punishment to this. Yeah, I find it because to me this is the purest, yeah. most oh, you're celebrating beautiful celebration your womanhood. of yes, obviously all yes. of these things are yeah. uh, patriotic and beautiful, mm-hmm. and no one should have any problem with them. In fact, it is it's a strikingly and frighteningly transphobic turn the White House it has is, taken, kind of by condemning I, yeah. this. You would think they would get called out for this, they won't. And I think the reason why they're doing this is just a lot of posturing because we are heading into an election. It's true. 
Sure. So you know what? It's, it it's nice that there's a limit. No. I'd say if people are concerned, don't worry. We at the podcast will keep you abreast of this story. Thank you. Vic investigates. <laughs> Just Vic. All right. We'll uh, nip that it, in the bud. Okay. Sorry. Hello, Jennifer. Okay. While we are on the subject of trans activists, in California, there is a new law just passed, correct? Uh, passed the committee. Okay, passed the committee. Um, Up for this a, is a I'll read to you from the Washington Free Beacon about it. A California bill to decree gender affirmation part of a child's health, safety, and welfare in the context of custody disputes advanced Tuesday after hundreds of parents showed up to a committee hearing to voice their opposition. Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee approved the legislation in a party-line vote after nearly two hours of debate and testimony, almost all from opposed Californians, including teachers, pastors, even San Francisco Democrats, immigrants, gay folks, a gender nonconforming mom. They all spoke against this bill. Interesting crowd. Under the bill, which passed the state assembly in March, judges in custody dispute cases involving transgender identifying children would be required to favor a parent who affirms his or her child's gender identity. The bill's authors updated the language last week to specifically make non-affirmation a violation of health, safety, and welfare in California's Family Code. Critics warned the change could lead to abuse claims against parents who do not go along with their child's transgender identity. Of course. Of course. Yeah. That is what was happening. That's, that's what that's designed for. Right. Oof. Well, we know their MO because it always starts off this way, which they will say, of course, we would never do anything like this. And then once they have all their forces arrayed against the other side, it's, of course, we're doing this. And you're crazy for thinking that that's wrong. Yes. So here we are at this point. Right. Now, again, these Democrats are stressing in California, this is not about government intrusion into your private lives or into families. This is strictly about affirming a child's gender. And that's something we can all agree on. Mm-hmm. That's basically the baseline. No, that's that. They and just so pretend, it's understood. They pretend that there is no debate. Yeah. That is the idea. Uh, that's why I named my book End of Discussion. Because that's, right. that's the tactic. That's right. Is to pretend that there's nothing worth debating here. Yeah. When in fact there is. Right. Uh, and, and actually uh, the NHS this week in Britain or in the mm-hmm. United Kingdom has just declared that they are way backpedaling that's on right. this stuff. And th- these things will not be available. Hormone blockers and uh, and hormones and uh, surgery for right. minors, they are going to back up a lot right, on that. Right, it's because not, it's not clear what the long-term effects are, the deleterious effects. And if you think about countries in Scandinavia and, as you mentioned, the United Kingdom, they've been into this whole scene longer than we have. They know more and they have more information about this than we do, and yet we are going full on. And obviously... That's a problem. But again, it starts with this whole custody thing where, you know, if, if you're in dispute with uh, another spouse over your child, your child decides a boy, they don't even mention like the age in this, just, you know, your child, uh, a boy wants to be a girl. If you don't affirm that, you're going to lose that child. No, it's horrifying. I mean, so, and that's why I, I mean, I, there was a Republican lawmaker in California who was saying the only answer is if this passes, if this passes uh, uh, the assembly vote, flee California because- you won't be able to protect your child. Well, to be fair, Gavin Newsom is an expert at making people flee California. <laughs> no, I, custody disputes are horrifying to begin with and hard yeah, on everyone. It's terrible. To add this to it just mm-hmm. sounds like a dystopian novel. Right, and, 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 uh, kid, it, and kids go through a difficult time already if, if, if your parents are splitting up based on, yes, you know, 
I don't know. Data. Do you see this anecdotal? I, you know what I mean? Well, but I know, I, you know, you, when you, you read hear these, about you read this, these stories it's, it's of, of and, and I don't think anyone will argue with that. Well, and I'm just saying like adding this to the mix yeah. sounds even more horrific. Mm-hmm. And then if you are the parent who is trying to protect your kid, now both sides think they're trying to protect this kid, sure. right? That's what always happens in a, mm-hmm. in a custody case. However, like I said, most of the world is backpedaling mm-hmm. on aggressive treatment of minors mm-hmm. with gender dysphoria. A lot of the world is examining whether mm-hmm. every mental issue, yeah. mental health issue that a young child has, whether that should be sort of like diverted into gender dysphoria, which is kind of what like that's sort of what's happening with a lot of treatment of young kids is, well, I'm having discomfort yeah. and therefore this and once you get to therefore this and the, the this is gender dysphoria, there's only one path of treatment. There right. is no way to discuss what might be the underlying issues anymore. And that to me is really damaging to kids yeah. who have been through a lot over the past couple of years. So it concerns me that we're going to do this for like another 10 years and then oops, we'll be like, ah, I guess we'll just do what like Scandinavia and Britain are doing and, and backpedal on this. But you've heard a lot of people yeah. in the meantime. And the, and the other thing is, of course, polling that has been recently done and you know by large organizations that show majorities of Americans and almost 50-50 among Democrats you know have a lot of concerns about surgery or treatment for what they call gender affirming care for minors but you know trans surgeries or trans medications for minors and certainly with other issues like biological men competing in, in women's sports, the Democrats are not on the side of the majority of the Americans. Office. No, and the media neither, by the way. And this is one of those things where yeah. the polling reality check is helpful because you get this idea that everyone agrees with this position. Again, no. there there is no debate. Well, there is or a you, debate. Or you might think that you're the only one who thinks, wait, this is crazy, but you'd right. be too afraid to actually admit that to anybody. New York also, by the way, has designated itself with an executive order as a sanctuary state for trans runaways. Yes, for people who are not being affirmed, for kids who are not being affirmed. Mm-hmm. So if you are in a custody dispute and your kid ends up in New York, you mm-hmm. apparently have no right to take action uh, and no one will be investigating mm-hmm. why your child is in another state and getting treatment that you have no idea about. I mean, it's this stuff is bad. And the actually the uh, it sort of goes back to this ad that um, the White House clipped. It's on on Twitter, and this is their LGBTQ or like I guess Pride message. Sure. Let me play a little bit of that. These are our kids. These are our neighbors. Not somebody else's kids. They're all our kids. And our children are the kite strings that hold our national ambitions aloft. It matters a great deal how we treat everyone in this country. LGBTQ Americans, especially children, you're loved, you're heard, and this administration has your back. They're they're everyone's kids. They're everyone's kids and the bravest group of Americans he's ever seen. Yeah. And uh, when he was a little kid, he was with his dad. (laughs) Yeah, that one too. at At the train station or wherever and saw two men kiss. Just a quick peck. And he said, Dad, what's that about? I said, Joey, they just love each other. Just love is love, man. And, and, and make sure That's you support uh, transgender affirming care. That's along, what he said. Along with all in the 1950s. Yeah, along with all the other World War One vets. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. Um, no, they're not everyone's kids. They're parents' children. That's that's who they are. And you you know mm-hmm. your kids better than the government knows your kids. 
And uh, right. these you, governments keep alleging that you do not. When you get down to it, it is always that we know better than you about what's best for your By kids. By the way, Trust uh, they're everyone's kids, but Navy Joan could not be reached for comment. Oh, sad. And they're all Dallas. our kids except for one. All right. Speaking of things you're not allowed to ask questions about, Ever. shall we to the lab leak theory, Vic? It continues. Oh, my goodness. The evidence is mounting. I know. I'm going to play a little bit of base Dr. Drew on yeah, Fox News. Base Dr. Drew, that's right. I do. I like Dr. Drew because Dr. Drew is a facts guy. And yeah. nobody can. He's uh, a doctor. Nobody can come at him for being some sort of right-wing prude or anything no. because he's like the original. Yeah sex help hotline dude. Yeah. Well, not the original, because I guess uh, who was, was the lady with the accent? Adam Carolla. No, but who oh, was no, the lady Dr. with Ruth. the accent? Dr. Dr. Ruth. Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Dr. Ruth was the first one, yes, really. she was. Um, <laughs> but he was up next. All right, so I want to play a little bit of him on Fox News talking about this. And he was sort of outside the mainstream when it came to COVID uh, right. discussions for during much of COVID. Scientists and the U.S. intelligence community agree that this coronavirus was not man-made. That is not a possibility. Dr. Drew, uh, what goes through your mind when you look back at this and you see this new reporting? Yeah, I, I mean, this is symptomatic and sort of emblematic of what went on during COVID, which is the usual scientific process where people ask questions and openly discuss things and look at evidence back and forth was categorically put down as conspiracy, misinformation and disinformation. The lab leak was always a possibility, but you were not allowed to even suspect or bring up the possibility that that was the source of the virus. The reality is what Dr. Fauci said is actually correct. There was good evidence of it coming from the the markets, from the the from the animal to the human. I've reviewed that data very carefully, and it's pretty compelling. It doesn't mean it's the explanation. It doesn't mean it's correct. The fact that it's compelling doesn't mean it's the right explanation. And that is how science is done. You consider things that you might not think are likely and they turn out to be true. In this case, the evidence is becoming overwhelming. There are at least three different government agencies that are on board with this, the FBI, the Energy State. There's a report coming out, as you guys reported next week, that will really clear the air for us what is going on. And always what we were looking for were those patient zeros. And now we have them. And yet still people are clinging to the notion that it can't be. We need to keep an open mind. COVID was a very strange experience where the usual back and forth of science was forbidden at risk to your well-being and employ. There we have it. I wanted to do that that flashback yeah. because it's helpful to just know exactly how nasty everyone was about it. And it's just like... The uh, my favorite, though, you know, my favorite is uh, maybe Chris Hayes. Yeah. Who said, you know, uh, what do you say? A lot of people like that phrase. Yeah. Escape from the lab because they're dumb. No, no. The whole tone of all of that is we are very smart yeah. and you're very dumb. And yeah. here's why you are dumb. Yeah. And if you think this, you are yeah. a big troglodyte. Okay. It was on its face. It seemed quite reasonable to ask this question. Yeah, because it's just, right there. And John Stewart brought this up on Colbert's show as well. It's literally there. The, White, yes. uh, the Wuhan Virology Lab is in Wuhan. So now this new report is that we have identified yeah. the patient's zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that they they're are Wuhan scientists. They are Wuhan scientists who worked on souping up so, COVID. You know what happened? Viruses. The Wuhan scientists, they said, 
hey, I'm going on lunch break. You want right. to come? and say, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the wet market. Yes. Oh, hey, can you pick me up a bat sandwich? Uh-huh. And that's how it happened. Oh, that's yeah. how it happened. It happened, uh-huh. yeah. And a side of pangolin. Okay. Uh, uh, so, yeah, not, not good. But again, what does it get down to when we see this? And thank goodness, you know, for example, the House has a very narrow Republican majority because they can hold, try to hold people accountable. Yes. Whereas if it weren't for them, they wouldn't be up there test, you know, well, testifying and, and being been forced working, to answer very tough questions. They've been working on a little accountability this week and oversight. Yeah. Kevin Kiley of California came prepared. Yeah. And I always enjoy it when they come prepared uh, to ask the uh, health secretary, Becerra, who doesn't really have Javier. A, he doesn't really have a resume for being a HHS secretary, but no. nonetheless, it's that's all interchangeable. Where he is. Yeah. Uh, so he's he asks him about uh, the masking of two year olds. Yet another thing that uh, you're supposed to just shut up about for several years. If you had any questions about, like, you really think this snotty little piece of old navy rag is stopping the virus from two year olds who, by the way, don't suffer from the virus? Yeah. Here we go. Let's let's just let's uh, we let Dr. Drew have his moment. I'm gonna let Kevin Kylie have his moment too because it's good. Here he goes. Uh, Mr. Secretary, did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? Um, do what now? Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? Making sure people wore masks when it was appropriate was essential to make sure that we were able to get out of this pandemic. Sure, but that wasn't my question. Could you answer the question that I asked? Which is? Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save and, lives? And who did the forcing? Well, this, your department, or the Head Start, which is under your department, had a mask mandate until late last year for two-year-olds and above, even outdoors. Uh, so can you point to any public health benefit of that policy? Right. We, we never forced anyone to do anything because we don't have the jurisdiction or authority to do that. What we did was provide guidance on what would Mr. be Mr. Secretary, did Head Start have a mask mandate? We, we provide a mask mandate, a requirement for jurisdictions that wish to receive money to provide particular services. So Head Start did have a mask mandate for kids, yes? Just a moment for me to say these assholes. <laughs> yeah. They, to pretend no, no. that they didn't force anyone. We just we just provided the gu- we just provided the guidelines. Mm-hmm. And then the people who uh mm-hmm. actually carrying out, we didn't want to. We just turned to the guidelines. Yeah, who was forcing you want to do? Okay, let's let's move along. We, we had a mask mandate for uh, jurisdiction, um, excuse me, for agencies that wish to get federal dollars. So that's a yes. So services. can you point to any benefit, it's not a yes to any public question. health benefit? How is that not forcing? It's a mandate for those who are funded with federal dollars. Well, so Head Start uh, could, you know, they just freelance their dollar. Yeah, uh-huh. they get no money from, you know, uh-huh. donations. But they're not forcing anybody. Okay. No. From that policy, whether it was recommended or enforced or forced, of requiring young children to wear masks. Did families benefit from the policy of using all protection, all precautions to avoid... uh, No, I'm not asking you to rephrase my question as some abstract question that you'd rather answer. I'm asking that you, as the person who's the Secretary of Health and Human Services, right now, can you point to any evidence that there was a public health benefit to forcing young children to wear masks? Well, the fact that uh, today... We are not losing lives the way we lost them when we first got into this pandemic. And you think that's because we forced two-year-olds to wear masks? 
That's your interpretation. What I'm saying to you is that using good policies that give us the precautions to keep uh, our families from contracting COVID are helping save lives. I want to quote to you from an article from NPR in January of 2022. It says, the United States is an outlier in recommending masks from the age of two years old. The World Health Organization does not recommend masks for children under age five, while the European equivalent of the CDC doesn't recommend them for children under age 12. In retrospect, was it a mistake for the United States to defy the international norm on child masking? The U.S. has been working closely with our international partners, and we have done more than any other country to try to help But that's not what our, I asked you. I country, asked you, was it a mistake countries. to defy the international norm on the issue of child masking? We continue to use all the best practices when it comes to making sure people take the precautions. Is there a reason you're not safe. answering my question, Mr. Secretary? I'm, I'm answering the question the best, best I can because you keep phrasing questions that are already geared to get a particular answer. Shut up. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, because, of course, we know more about the damage masks did, masks did for children in schools, so honestly, as we all know. Look, and. Here's my but question. he's not going to say that. But, but they will why? never, much like Burton on the water, never going to happen. Okay, it's just never going to happen. They're never going to. He said, "How I many Sarah's going to say? Okay, you look, present me this article on NPR and everything, and and you know what? You're right. Well, You're right. We made let me say never that happen. if you have to choose one battle, make it this one. <laughs> make it this one. Um, <laughs> but I, I truly don't understand. Yeah, why he can't just say there. They're not going to pay a price for any of this. No, no, There no, will no, be no, no, no price. Whether you say you messed up or not, mm -hmm. there will be no price to pay. He's Never. not getting fired. Mm -hmm. Nobody's getting punished. Why can't he just say, you know what? We probably went a little hard Don't on that. Uh, maybe five-year-olds like the rest mm -hmm. of the world or even eight to ten-year-olds that could actually manage wearing a mask uh, was probably the better bet. Um, the two-year-olds in the strollers. That was sort of seeing them in masks. Remember yeah. that? Yes. So Something else. why can't you just say that? Yeah. And say in retrospect, yes, should've. maybe we should have done yeah. things slightly differently. Yeah. I don't know. Is it, is it a liability issue? One thing that occurs to me and what I must take from this is be, because he feels that this was perfectly reasonable and can back down not at all, mm -hmm. they will do this again. Yeah. This is... This is to preserve this power as an option for them. Yeah. And that is psycho. Yeah. It's psycho. It did no good. And now, uh, and, that, and that exchange came up, I think, a day or two later uh, in the House and yes. Jerry Nadler. Yeah, let's hear from Jerry. All right. Honestly, I saw this clip. Yeah. And I was like, is this in the is year this, of our Lord 2023? Right. Is this actually happening? Here we go. Jerry Nadler with some science. The congressman, the Democratic some, congressman. With some science from... The great state of New York. It protects against transmission of the disease to the next person. And the healthcare worker certainly ought to be required to be vaccinated. And when we have a pandemic like COVID-19 pandemic that we had, two-year-olds should have been required to wear masks. It would be child abuse for parents not to do that because there was no vaccination available for two-year-olds. It would be child abuse to not mask your two-year-old. Um, again, this is impervious yeah. to actual data or yeah. facts or science about two-year-olds getting masked. I don't masked, think he cares to know about that data. But that end part is what's important. Yeah. These mandates are important for public health. They want to retain the power to do that. Yeah. Uh, Phil Kirpin was writing about this on Twitter, said this is the RAINS Act that they're bringing to the floor, which will require affirmative House and Senate approval of new regulations 
And so they don't want to back down. They don't want to pass anything that would require more approval of regulations because they liked they love, having the they power, that power to do all of these yeah. insane things. And so they must pretend that the insane things were great. Right. Otherwise, would not be a good look. How, how will we mask the to- toddlers if we pass this RAINS Act? Also, the, the comparison of the COVID vaccines and boosters and bivalent boosters to like dip tat dip tat very good that's a very good raising errors that's a very good francis mcdormand oh you gotta get his dip tat hi <laughs> was it tie i can't remember hi, hi. sorry was see she even oh hi we gotta get his dip tat <laughs> all right but uh yes that's really good um <laughs> it's not like you get the mmr vaccine to minimize the effects of rubella (laughs) and it's time for your bivalent rubella booster. Whereas, you know, I get the email. If it's been two months, you know, since uh, it's time for your bivalent booster. You got to get your new MMR. Yeah, you're not getting your annual diptet. So that's it. But again, why does it come to this? And we've said it before and we'll say it again. The only reason why we're here is because if Trump said X, it cannot be X. So if Trump says this virus is from China, there's no way Chris Hayes or whoever is going to say, yep. Well, that's why the President Trump's right. It's probably from China. They can't admit that. That's why the American Pediatricians Association had to say, uh, never mind. You probably shouldn't go to school. Zoom school is great. Yeah. And screens are really good for babies and they don't need to see faces ever. Yeah. Like they just yeah. changed all the things they Everything. thought and believed and had evidence for because Trump went the other direction. Right. It's not good. Um, just a brief note. Uh, since we're on conspiracy theories that came true, like the Wuhan lab. Um, Ted Kaczynski died this week. Yes. The Unabomber. Yes. Actually, I yes. did not know, but he had been transferred to my hometown to a mental health facility. Uh, because he I was, thought he was he at was Supermax. Sick. No, he, he was at Supermax in Colorado, uh, but he was moved, I believe, in 2021 mm-hmm. to Butner in Durham County, North Carolina, which is where he passed away at the age of 81, I believe. And I just want to say... Mad- that when we're talking about the madman who bombed a bunch of people mm-hmm. uh, out of a out of a conviction that modernity and science and uh, the government and uh, all these things were bad for us, uh, perhaps we should put front and center that uh, the government, via one of its CIA dudes up at Harvard, psychologically tortured him for many years when he was an undergrad there, and um, it is. And it sounds controversial, but it's not actually controversial. It's been covered in the Atlantic yeah, and yeah, others. Yeah, yeah. But every time I look wow. it up, I'm like, this can't That's be crazy. real, right? And yeah, I look yeah, it up no. and I was like, no, no, it no. What's going on? There was a former, the, what was the name of the predecessor to the CIA, the Office the of OSS. Strategic OSS. There was a guy, Murray, who was working up at Harvard, who took these very bright, promising Harvard students with very high IQs. Kaczynski, one of them, already a little bit like not ready mm-hmm. for college. He was about 15 or 16 when he went to college. Uh, and psychologically tortured them systematically. He spent like 200 hours in this experiment. Uh, and his brother, who turned him in eventually, yeah. has spoken to this and said, yeah, it Oof. was really, they humiliated him. They yelled at him. They put him under lights. They had electrodes attached to him. Like, like Patrick just, Stewart in the movie Conspiracy Theory? And I'm just oh saying that that seems like an important part of the story. Yeah. And yet when you hear about Ted Kaczynski, you don't hear a lot about how the CIA, this former CIA guy, perhaps connected to MKUltra uh, and mind control conspir- experiments, did this for several years to Ted Kaczynski. And may- maybe that me- might have been why he was mad about the science and the modernity and the, and the government. I'm just saying. 
You know it's a slippery slope, Mary Catherine. We've been doing this show. This is, I think, episode 165, right? Mm-hmm. By the time we get to episode 200, it'll be like, you know, the cattle mutilations. I'm just saying the cattle mutilations. You know, so this is, it's just a little weird. This okay. is my. But no, I hear bur- you. This is my, this this is my is burden on the water. This, <laughs> it matters to me. It matters to you. That this yeah, happened to all, him. No, okay. I, yeah. And I think I'm like, with, yeah. like an That's oops. Great. I didn't even know that story. An oops from the CIA yeah. might be in order. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. It should be part of the story. Okay. It's real. You guys can look it up. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is of yeah. some question whether it's connected to the idea of MK Ultra or not. Mm-hmm. But the idea that this guy was previously OSS and then went to Harvard and experimented on him, not not in question. These are real things that happen. You're gonna start. Anyway. You're gonna start getting like anonymous emails or texts. It's just gonna say, "You're close. You're really <laughs> close." That's what it's gonna say. I don't mean to laugh about it. It's just like I that. It right. it sticks in my brain. It much much like. Ted Kennedy and Chappaquiddick. Every yeah. time I read that story, oh. I have to go. I have to go read it once every three years because I'm like, it can't be as bad as I'm remembering it. Watch the it movie. Is. Watch the movie. It's a great movie. It is a Terrible. very good movie. Great. It is as bad and yeah. worse than I remember it being. Same with this mm-hmm. weird ass Harvard experiment. Anyway, okay, moving on to something light. <laughs> I was say, uh, yeah, you know, speaking of daydreaming. All right, sorry. <laughs> no. I had to do it. They're all. They're both looking at me like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, just cut that part out. Okay, so it's true. I'm gonna get you an old book from 1916 that proves it. <laughs> New York Times had an interesting story recently, uh, comparing the different, making the differences or ex- exposing the differences between day drinking and night drinking. Why is day drinking so different from night drinking? And uh, the effects, the effects on the human body seem to be different. And why is that? Uh, and the answer is really just common sense. Okay. Uh, during the day, these are the these are the cons. Okay, so this is why they say you should be concerned. Take it easy. Uh, you're not having a full meal, so there are no benchmarks. If you're drinking at night, you have a dinner. Let's assume it's dinner. You okay. have a cocktail before the dinner, then you have some wine, and then maybe afterwards a little uh, a nightcap. That's the way I roll. Uh, but then eventually you go home, you go to sleep, whatever, and you sleep it off. Uh, you don't feel great the next morning, but then it tends to improve as the day goes on. Right. Okay, fine. That's your benchmark. Uh, day drinking, uh, you might just be snacking on and off during the day and not having a full proper meal. Maybe you're not getting enough food. Maybe the weather's great and you're re- uh, drinking outside yeah. and it's hot and it's sunny and you're getting dehydrated and therefore you're feeling woozy. And then you have what you, the evening hangover, which is also terrible. And the whole day is shot. And you don't know now what to do in the evening. So that's the difference. And be, be, be wary of it. Uh, uh, take precautions. Uh, and that's the concept. The pro side is day drinking is a lot of fun. Yeah. That's, I, so my <laughs> face was confused the whole time because I'm like, I feel like this is, a, this is argument against day I mean, drinking. You, are, uh, you and I. You and I so here's my have thing done about, day drinking. Here's so. the, my thing about the day drinking. And it. one of the... Cons allegedly in this New York Times article, mm. and you can you trust the Times? Obviously no, not. Nothing it says the hangover might arrive earlier. Sure, right. So I get started getting rid of that thing much earlier. <laughs> by okay? the time you go to bed, you, the next no, morning you're going to be great. I'm halfway yeah, through the yeah, hangover yeah, by the time right. I go to bed. That's right. That's right. And you I wake up fresh okay. as a daisy. Okay, <laughs> that's that's without what even happens. remembering what happened the day before. Yes. Okay. You, if you really cut down on your hangover recovery time, if you go to bed at ten o'clock after hitting it hard, excuse me, people who people don't okay. go to bed at ten o'clock after hitting it hard because yeah. 
I'm, a, I'm an old person now, guys. I, can right. you edit that to be 1 a.m., yeah. 2 a.m., Let, 3 a.m.? Let's, let's, uh, let's preface this and, uh, for our listeners by saying uh, we condone day drinking if you are not supposed to be working, mm-hmm. operating heavy machinery. Or working much. Much, operating a lot of heavy machinery <laughs> for a long time, uh, or being in charge of responsible of, for children, okay? All those things aside, suppose you have a free day. Right. Well, let me tell you, and you know this because I used to do uh, these bar crawls. Mm-hmm. You've been on one of uh, my, uh, the, the Continenti, Ma- Continenti Mattis bar crawl. Yes. Uh, there is something great. And also, I'm going to throw in the lunches. You know, sometimes you'd have the unexpected lunch with, with me or whoever from 12 p.m. to 6. That happens right. on occasion. But uh, <laughs> People in the audience are like, does it? <laughs> yeah, yes, you, it you does. Know, you know what I mean. Uh, there is something so great about going from one bar to another bar. You're on the street and you, you're feeling a good buzz. Okay, right, right. I'm not saying that you're completely, you know, hammered yet. But you're feeling a good buzz and you look around and everybody's going to work except you. Yeah. That is a great feeling. And knowing that you're not, again, you're not working. But that, uh, but it's just a great feeling like, hey, I'm able to do something that a lot of other people at this There's moment are There's a shot of Freud involved. Kind of. Just, okay, fine. <laughs> That's what it was? All right. The uh, only thing is you come out of the bar, yeah. and it's like you walk out of a matinee. You're like, ah! Oh, the sun. The sun, it's so bright. Quick, to the next bar. Let me get my hangover started immediately. Yeah. All right. So that's all. Uh, yeah, all right, that's I, it. That, 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 we covered a lot of ground today. We covered a lot of ground today. From Kaczynski to the day oh, drinking. Man, okay, come on. Listeners, after the show, just get out there and start drinking. <laughs> Responsibly. Yes. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am, see how I'm singing, at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram and you can follow us at Getting Hammered Podcast where we did put up the picture of me pre-braces and you know it's bad because the people in the comments didn't even try to be nice. They're like, wow, that's really horrible. <laughs> the case, the case for orthodontia. The, the, nice, yeah. the nice one was like, yeah, you're right. Those are not TV teeth. <laughs> it's okay. I've heard it all before. That's how I looked when I was an eight-year-old, okay? I had to go to public school looking like that, all right? I've heard it all before. I'm very strong. But it was North Carolina, so it was okay. It was, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. It was brutal out there. All right. Thanks for getting my responsibility. We will talk to you guys soon. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. 